Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, I want to have a discussion here that I think normally gets marred down in like definitional problems that people don't ever really want to discuss the core concept. Um, and that is the sense that in our lives, we have a percentage of true, genuine friends. Then there is another tier of people that we work with, business associates, um, you know, people that, that come in and out of our lives. Maybe that second tier of friends or personnel group. And then the group that is bigger than that, which is the in-passing crowd. Like if you were on LinkedIn, this would be your third and fourth connections out. And then there's the people we will never interact with. And for each people, the each individual out there, the amount of people in each bucket will vary. But for most of us, the percentage is basically the same. Each one, each group gets a little bit bigger as they're further away from us. For instance, there's more people that we have seen in passing than there are that are tight friends. And I think that just using that rough outline definition thing, whether it's uh, without getting into all the nuances, I think is important because that that's the the general level I'm kind of bringing this thought with. And what came across to me in thinking about this episode and preparing for it was we, I think, control more on the periphery ones than we do in the really tight groups that we have with. And when I say control, I don't mean like we're over their shoulder forcing them to make decisions or something like that. What I mean by is just general impacting people around us just by simple things. So the politeness things that we all learn when we're in kindergarten, you know, thank you, please smiling. And I think that so much of our life doesn't look at that because they, we're so centered upon ourselves. And I wanted to take a, a chance here. I know this was a long-winded three-minute introduction, but I wanted to take a chance to highlight the importance of kind of radiating out positivity to other people in ways that we can actually control in a genuine way that's not fake. Um, yeah, I think your observation about the these different groups are, are uh, concentric circles of friendship, you might say, uh, coming from the very inside of the person that I'm willing to share anything with who knows some of the deepest places in my heart and uh, moving out to people that I have some minimal contact with. I mean, when you think that there are 7 billion people in the world, there's a lot of people <laughs> who we have no contact with, uh, har hardly even a concept of. And But there are some people that we have passing contact with that we've run into at some time. And then obviously people that we've maybe spent some significant experiences with. And, uh, uh, and I think your observation about the impact that we can make on those very close to us is, is uh, well taken. I really like to think in terms of the three qualities of friendship that Jesus gives us in John chapter 15. He has three successive verses in which he says, first of all, uh, a man lays down his life for his friend. And then he says, if you're my friends, do what I command you. And then he says, I call you friends because I've revealed everything to you that I've received from the father. 
and that total self-revelation, that radical trust, and then that willingness to self-sacrifice to lay down our life for our friend. Um, those are the signs of the deepest level of friendship. And everything else is kind of emanating out from that. One of the ones that sounds funny to us, if you're my friends, do what I command you. You know, we'd never say that to our friends. But what it's indicating is a radical trust. I would do what you command me if I really know you and trust you. And so if you say, this is the best thing for you, and I know that you're my friend and you wouldn't lead me astray, I take that seriously and I would trust you. So just to reinforce the point that you're making that we can have a radical impact on those close to us because there's a radical trust. There's a real openness. And, and that means that we can uh, do great good. We can also do great damage. There's a real mm-hmm. openness. And, and so betrayal of friendship is extremely painful. And uh, what takes a long time to build up can be shattered in a moment. And so we have to be so reverent around those uh, bonds of trust, bonds of love that are built in friendship. And and so that's a that's a great gift. Uh, I would say, you know, there are ways that we open up to people who are not close to us, and yet there's still a bond of trust. And I certainly experience that a lot as a, as a priest. I mean, obviously in confession, but even um, when I when I meet people in different circumstances, maybe they trust me because they hear me talk. You know, maybe on this podcast, maybe on other uh, videos and programs, or they read my writing or something like that. And they get a sense of who I am. I have put myself in uh, audio and text and video. And, and so people can get to know me before I get to know them. And sometimes they come with really open hearts and ask really honest, vulnerable questions and, um, and, and re- receive without a lot of suspicion or doubt the kinds of things that I say to them. And uh, to your point, you know, one of the real basic things we can do for each other is to is to build each other up, uh, uh, an affirmation of someone's being. It's good that you exist. And that's part of what a smile says. When I smile upon seeing you, I'm saying that it's good that you exist. And I'm grateful that you're in my presence. And that makes us feel really good about ourselves. We feel confident. We feel like we have something to offer. We feel like a gift. And then everything else we do can flow out of that kind of core of our being. And so we really have the opportunity to speak people into existence, uh, to encourage people with blessing. The, the word blessing in Latin is benediction. It's a good word. It's uh, well-spoken. And so when we speak good words into people, we bless them and, and we're able to build them up and help them to have confidence in the goodness of their being. And, and that just opens up a lot of things for people. So yeah, we can be uh, we certainly can do a better job at, at uh, wielding that power and deepening those contacts in order to uh, deepen friendships. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if I if I caught exactly where you you seem to take a little bit of a turn at the end, and uh, I figured if I started talking, I'd probably cover something, but maybe I didn't. Quite, <laughs> certainly, quite so, so 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 I, the the importance of the core group where where, where our friendships are with with those that we are close to. Um, and I think that I, I, I just came at this from the other end of the funnel, if you will, because um, you came with once we are at a, a full degree of friendship, this is how we, we trust each other. We're willing to sacrifice for each other. And where I wanted to get at was kind of those you know basic building blocks to get us there. You know, it starts with the, 
courtesy, you know, being someone that the people want to be around. And unfortunately, that's not a universal answer. There's some people who just want to be around misery, and there's some people who want to be around happiness. And I wanted to to kind of spend a, a second on that because I find that people who want to be around happiness find other people they want to be around. But at the end of the day, that's an internal choice. You know, what do I want to be with? I know that we're all drawn by our past to be what we grew up with or were recently with, and that that's a, a very strong pull. But knowing that we all have the ability and the option to choose how we respond to the moment, you, you gave that great example a couple of episodes ago about, I believe it was, it was St. Maximilian Colby, who was put in the situation of a concentration camp and still chose to keep his internal decisions, to stay positive, to, to look for the, the benefits and the grace. And knowing that we all have that choice, I just wanted to spend a moment or two thinking about how that element of how we present ourselves in happiness and what we absorb into ourselves and put out there in terms of our emotions, our, our desire to be friendly and polite can magnify across the lower levels of friendship. You know, I, I, I don't always necessarily need to be the most happy, upbeat person in the world with my wife. She knows me better. Like, like we're, we're at a deeper level that we don't need to always have these things going. But obviously it helps. Um, I don't want to say like if I totally change the 180 and start being around miserable, the things would be awesome because I think that would be a, a problem. But I wanted to, to just focus on that. We can control that. And it does have a meaning on people around us. You know, if you go to the same grocery store all the time, the one cashier, you always find smiling and it's talkative to you and happy. And the other one isn't. Who would you rather go to? And does that, you know, that's a, a segment, in my opinion, that that cashier is brightening up your day and you want to have some, some bright and invigoration in you. And I think that's a good thing. And that's kind of where I wanted to, to focus the second half of the chat. Yeah, I like that uh, reflection on, you know, how do we how do we take those steps closer to people? And, and it's a question of what builds trust. And then there's also a matter of resonance. Aristotle's definition of friendship was to will what the friend wills and to uh, not will or reject what the friend rejects, that we have that kind of alignment in, in value and principle and preference. And there's a, there is something that's a, a little bit more than uh, the matter of the, the fruit of a method that we develop in friendship. And uh, so, um, you know, taking step-by-step of getting to know someone, opening, as you said, in courtesy. And, you know, and again, there's a kind of reverence for the person that we ought to have with everyone that, uh, and, and then that uh, reverence turns into a resonance that we see that there's a mutuality and I can really trust this person. Because I, I mentioned the impact we can have on our friends when we are able to speak words into their hearts and we're able to speak them into being in a certain way. Friendship is a mutual reality. And so I also allow my friend to speak into my heart and to help be a, a formative influence in me. And to get to a point that I actually trust someone to do that, well, it takes some time. And it takes concrete gestures, which always involve risk. 
it requires vulnerability that I'm willing to take a risk. And, you know, at the, at the smallest level, a risk is spending time, you know, investing time in a person, but then actually listening to a person's opinion, which might affect me or change me. And then actually making a sacrifice to support a person and, uh, to, to, to build him up or to, uh, provide for him in some way and, uh, to be part of something, to be aligned with that person. No, these are all different steps of trust and, and ways of building friendship. And so, so these are good for every relationship as you're, as you're saying, you know, I mean, the, the whole broad spectrum we should treat, uh, well, as Jesus said, I mean, love one another as I love you. It's a, it's a pretty high measure and uh, we're all falling short of that. And ultimately we won't fulfill it until heaven. There just isn't enough time to uh, develop that level of depth with every individual, but certainly we can live out those same principles and attitudes of love with every individual that we that we also grow in from our friendships. Our, our friendships, our, our closest relationships are formative for us. We really need community and we tend to take on values and worldviews of community. And so that community, which may be, you know, my several closest friends, my small group, uh, my men's group, uh, certainly my family, my immediate family, extended family, all of these communities have a significant impact on us. And the more that we can uh, receive and then uh, provide values and build up community that forms us, and then we bring that into every other relationship. So as you said, when we're a child and you know our parents teach us some real basic things, uh, thank God you had parents that taught you some of those basic things. That's not everybody's experience. And uh, so, you know, our, our community really forms us. We absorb a lot, even at an early age. Our culture really forms us. We have a number of international seminarians here at St. Vincent that I've gotten to know very well from Vietnam, China, Philippines, Brazil, uh, among other places. And, uh, you know, there's different culture, different values, different approaches to things and different courtesies and a uh, variety of different things. But uh, anyway, we take all of that in and then we we end up sharing that with others and we, we end up being formed by others and we have that chance to form others in positive relationships. Yes, and as we're going through that, I guess I'm kind of circling around this one thought that's also on mind is the importance of recognizing that it's not about us at the end of the day. It's not about me as an individual. You know, it's what I do has a bigger impact cumulatively on those around me than all I could ever absorb in a one me. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, at the end of the day, by being happy and being trying to calm situations and, you know, just generally accepting life on reality's terms and trying to mold it in an optimistic fashion has a great impact on those around us because there are so many people that will want to go to negativity and the slightest little nudge that way, it's like they're the top of the snowflake on a mountain. They get the one little slightest mount push. All of a sudden, we have an avalanche coming down, destroying the ski resort. Whereas you could just be a point of positivity, saying, "Hey, this is hey, it's not awesome right now. That's reality. Well, we're going to make it better. Like, like we can we can still figure out some goodness here." And you know, to to consciously think about that that fact that we can 
have a multiplier and all of us have a multiplier way more than ourselves is staggering to me and how little that is emphasized in our culture at large. You know, it's, you know, I guess as part of it, we're advertising everything to an individual to buy. So we make the, from an advertising standpoint, the individual, the most important thing on the planet. But the reality is, is we can connect and we can influence and make people either generally happy or sadder and essentially every decision we make. And there's so many opportunities every day to do that. And it's something that it, it makes me wonder why it's not on the forefront of, of conversations and people's minds, because it really does make a big difference. And just simply the words you use and, and the smile on your face when you say it. Uh, it's just something that, that blows my mind that, that when I think about that. Hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, I think it's uh, so important to recognize what, what you said first, that uh, it's just not about us as an individual. We we are inherently made for community, and our life is incomprehensible without community. Uh, even when we do things alone, we're thinking about other people. Uh, we're in relationship with other people. Our language is based on there being other people. Uh, when we're watching a uh, a sports game, we are engaged with other people. We're feeling the things that the athletes are feeling half the time. When we're watching movies, we're watching things created by other people. When we're listening to music, we're listening to something, you know, created by other people. So we're, we're constantly in relationship. We can't conceive of our lives without relationships with other people. And uh, those are the most isolated moments that I just mentioned where we are physically alone. Um, but then when we are physically with other people, of course, we have all of that impact, like you're describing very beautifully, that uh, when we say a positive word, that can build someone up and that has a ripple effect that goes out a great distance. Um, when we say a negative word, that can tear someone down and also can have a ripple effect that goes out a great distance. We have the capacity to uh, influence a tremendous number of people. And and that goes for everyone, you know, not just uh, people with podcasts and <laughs> video programs and um, you know, not just the Jordan Petersons who have 6 million subscribers. <laughs> it's like amazing. I can't imagine what that kind of impact is. But, um, you know, we reach uh, a lot of people and, and transform things. It's the, it's the long game for most of us. You know, when the way that you form your children is, uh, goes on for generations. And there's a, there's a lasting impact at that grassroots level. The personal interactions we have at our work and our parish and in the marketplace, those things have a great impact. And as you said, a, a smile can have a great impact. You know, smiling at the, at the person behind the counter at Walmart or something, I mean, that can have a, a big impact on somebody's life. And then that person on the counter is going to interact with another hundred people uh, after you. And the fact that you smiled at them and it changed something in their experience has a ripple effect on all those hundred people. And, and uh, so anyway, you're, uh, you're making a great point about how intertwined our lives are with relationships and that how we behave has a, a huge impact on the, uh, on a much broader audience. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I was just at a place that was completely crowded for a week and a half. Um, and it, it's, it's amazing when you just see how, it is from a child's perspective. 
Um, you know, my son is 18 months old. And when he sees another baby crying, he's immediately like, Ooh, what's wrong? I'm like, Oh, should I be sad too? Uh, and then at 10 seconds later, he'll see some kids just literally dancing in a waterfall and, or a sprinkler. And he's like, Ooh, I want to do that. That looks awesome. And then all of the sad thoughts just immediately go away. And, you know, we all have that brain. I mean, that, that's where we all start with is, is that capacity. And just to think of, we can make things just so much better and diffuse tension or we can, can relish into it. And father, I really hesitate doing this because I did this for like a month, but I'm about to ask you another question. Hopefully it doesn't start a whole nother episode, <laughs> but is there a simple way that people can recognize that this is a minefield of potential negativity and be able to, focus themselves into a way of positivity knowing everything we just talked about the multiplier effect of our reactions and our emotions is there a way that we can self-regulate and go into a state of positivity rather than get sucked down in this negative vortex yeah i think uh I think there are a number of things that we can pay attention to. I mean, what kinds of messaging are we buying into? What kinds of, uh, what ways are we investing our time? What are we opening ourselves to? And, and I think we have to be really careful about that vortex of negativity. It's a great description. I mean, there is so much that's out there, a lot of uh, tribalism, a lot of conflict, uh, a lot of um, railing against others and not really listening, a lot of ideologies. and just a just a mess. I I don't know how people navigate uh, a lot of a lot of YouTube and these kinds of things. Uh, YouTube's algorithm always takes you to more uh, racy places, more uh, scandalous, more more surprising uh, because they're trying to get you to keep watching. So as you keep watching, you're going to tunnel down into some pretty negative places. You have to be careful about that. But um, yeah, recognizing the negativity. And I, and I think we, we do that in a basic way, paying attention to how it feels in us. And when I start to get irritated, my face starts to squunch up as I'm angry about something, frustrated at what I'm hearing and, and I'm getting in, involved in the, the, the anger and resentment that's going on around me. And, you know, I mean, we have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Our, our feelings, our responses to things matter. And there's no reason to subject ourselves to those things. So paying attention to where the negativity is, where the negative spaces are, is, is one point. And then cultivating a positive attitude, which, which is vulnerable because, um, you know, people can uh, just attack you as a goody two-shoes and, oh, listen to him. He's, oh, he always has a nice thing to say. And <laughs> I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of playground politics and a lot of uh, that kind of bullying, which can really hurt if we're trying to... Um, be honest there's a way that we can be positive in an, in a kind of angry way too which we have to be careful about a sort of passive aggression through uh well i really like this and i really like that you know it's like okay well that's uh, not exactly positive um <laughs> so so but but to be genuinely positive in in uh negative places is very hard and then and then we have to be sure to choose our friends uh it's amazing, you know, when our Lord sent his disciples and apostles out, he sent them out two by two. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. 
just having one person that can receive our positivity makes a huge difference. And so even if we're in a group of 10, knowing that there's one friend there who can affirm and support and understands us and, um, you know, that even that can make a difference. So anyway, I think those are some little strategies, I suppose, to uh, bring positivity into negative spaces. Beautiful, beautiful. And one of the negative spaces that we've talked about is Twitter. Uh, we do ask everyone to, to follow us here as we are also on Twitter at Father and Joe. Uh, we only release the episodes, but it has been one of the great ways of expanding our listenership through a relatively easy mean. Um, you know, subscribe to us. And then when we retweet our episode when it comes out on Tuesdays. So it's just something we ask that you guys could really help us grow with because collectively your network is larger than ours by ourselves. All of our listeners now's collective is certainly larger than just father and Joe. So if you could subscribe to us and then every Tuesday, when we release the new episode, click that retweet button, that would be a tremendous help. We appreciate everyone out there who will do that for us. So thank you all. And we'll be with you again next week.